Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with the executive editor of Newsbusters, your host, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome. We are uh, coming to you live or on tape uh, right after the House Republicans elected Mike Johnson of Louisiana, the next Speaker of the House. It finally happened that the Republicans found a consensus candidate. That was quite a struggle. Um, we are already a, a little amused at some of the coverage. Of, we were, some of us were listening to CNN, and uh, Brent Baker found this funny clip where Gloria Borger saying, Mike Johnson's hard to demonize. He's not the devil incarnate. Mm. Joining me to discuss, Curtis Houck, managing editor, Penn State graduate. Let's gonna, not discuss the football team. No, we're not doing that. <laughs> we're not doing that. Leave me alone. <laughs> so they, uh, they actually accomplished something. Um, They're selecting a guy who's from northwestern Louisiana, the 4th District. Big city there is Shreveport. So he's the Independence Bowl speaker, if we're going to talk college yeah, football. Uh, he, I mean, it's a pretty big district, actually. Right. Uh, Tony Gonzalez, uh, the border area of Texas, when he endorsed him, noted that, unfortunately, hit, uh, that's one of the poorest districts in the country. Uh, and somebody who, you know, the average politics watcher wouldn't know. If you're a C-SPAN junkie, you know him. Mm-hmm. But uh, we know him. And he's, and he's, I would just say, too, he's also gone on, like, CNN daytime occasionally and maybe primetime during the Licked era when they were trying to have Republicans on and not yell at them the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we know how much they hated that at CNN. Yes, exactly. And the fact that Mike Johnson, again... Everybody talks about his demeanor. He's just kind of very matter-of-fact kind of guy, southern gentleman. Reportedly, there's no alcohol or cursing allowed in his office. Oh, and well, and I think a lot of people, our people here at Free Speech America, know that he was uh, quite strong on big tech interference in our elections. Yes, uh, House Judiciary Committee is another one. So, um if you're in politics, if you're really like a tuned, uh, a real junkie, you might. But otherwise, you might not, and that's okay. Yeah, elected to the House in 2016. So, yeah, the, sort of the talk from John King here, uh, Curtis, was, well, he doesn't have a lot of experience, and Mitt Romney's already saying he doesn't have enough experience. I noted that, too, and it's like, oh, look at this. Gloria Borger did the same thing after he was elected. They're like, oh. Mitt Romney says, he do, apparently, you don't have to have experience for these things. Um, well, again, are, sudden a lot, respect. There's a lot of people around him, including, at least for the moment, Kevin McCarthy. He's got Steve Scalise, who can give him advice. Part of it was they just had to fix this entire fiasco we've had for three weeks. And um, it, it really has set the country backward and, at a very important time, certainly right. with everything going on in Israel um, but also some of the things the House was doing, not just on foreign policy, but domestic policy. And let's not forget what interests us, investigations of the Democrats. And that's right. something the media hate. Right. And sure, there were some committee hearings, but really the focus in terms of press, even on in conservative media, is not going to be on those hearings. And it wasn't. The focus was on the speakership, which is correct. And, you know, up until October 7th, you could say, well, you know, the American people don't care necessarily, and it's just Washington, blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. But once Hamas rolled in, 
and committed their atrocities and their barbarity and animal behaviors uh, in Israel, I think everything changed. And the yeah. Ameri- if you probably looked at um, asked the American people, what do you think about this? They're going to be disgusted, even if they're Republicans. So those people are just saying this is fun and this is hilarious. It's, it hasn't been funny for a while because Congress couldn't even pass a basic resolution. And of interest to conservatives is when you have votes like this, like they want to have this afternoon, uh, hopefully you guys will be able to talk about it um, amongst yourselves now, who voted for this resolution to condemn Hamas and to stand with Israel today? Who did, you know, who did it? Which members of the squad voted for it? Who voted present? Who didn't vote? You know, those kind of things. You couldn't have any of that stuff without a speaker. All right. So now I, now you, you changed my mind here about we're going to go to a minute. Uh, I want to talk about Rachel Scott getting told yeah. to shut up. But Bill D'Agostino did this, the deep dive on yeah, this. Yeah, don't want to miss this. We don't want to miss this. I mean... Bill looked at, he took all the relevant squad members. So those are like the main, I guess. Uh, well, it's all of them, really, right? Right, really all of them. The main ones, Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, Cory Bush, AOC, Ayanna Presley, And then he added Jamal Bowman and Summer Lee, who represents uh, Allegheny County, a little bit of Westmoreland County, I believe, in Pennsylvania. Um, notably represents the uh, Tree of Life Synagogue, Uh so, and he charted all these different things of things that they have said. Well, there hasn't been a single mention on the network evening newscast of any controversial statements by members of the squad or adjacent uh, like-minded bedfellows uh, about Israel. That includes Rashida Tlaib, you know, the, fa- the fact that she has refused to condemn Hamas. She's blamed Israel for the hospital blast despite multiple... Uh, yeah, after everybody else admits multiple that U.S. intelligence conclusions saying this was not true and other countries, intelligence communities come to independent conclusions. She's demanded the end of aid to Israel. She's accused Israel of committing war crimes. She says we shouldn't be funding the Iron Dome. Uh, she didn't co-sign an anti-Hamas resolution, the one that's coming to the floor this afternoon. And by the time you listen to it, it was hopefully passed. She's called for a ceasefire in Gaza, which is, you know, as we know, is a chance for Hamas to reload. Uh, and it's called Israel's uh, occupation of Gaza and the West Bank apartheid. Well, and I, I think when you have a member of the squad, let's just say uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is doing interviews on cable TV, you can't say, oh, well, we don't have any video clips to use. And obviously, yes, we have uh, uh, Tlaib out there screaming that uh, that Israeli bombed a hospital. And we've got Ilhan Omar screaming. Uh, on tape. And Cory Bush and Rashida Tlaib leading that protest outside the Capitol that ended up with people uh, occupying, pun intended, the uh, House Cannon office building, um, leading to hundreds and hundreds of arrests because people refused to leave. And how many stories were there on that? Zero. <laughs> Zero <laughs> They mentioned the protest, by the way. I should mention that the protests were covered on these networks, but it was just a cursory... Like, m- oh, and mention. there were some protests. And there was a protest, and there were arrests. Okay. Instead of, like, 300 arrests, and they were, you know, uh, egged on by Rashida Tlaib and Cori Bush. All right. So, look, this is one thing we always want to point out to you, and that is that the, the Democrats seemingly don't have any extremists. They don't have any haters. It, this goes to the both. I mean, they're not even trying to both sides this issue. They're just there's no mention of the other side when it comes to Congress uh, because they know this would be damaging to them. 
Yeah, we had this sort of really vague thing over the weekend where Mary Alice Parks on ABC was like, the Democrats are kind of divided. The progressives aren't quite so pro-Israel, you know. <laughs> right, and if all you get, to, and this is the thing, folks, you know, declining network news is still a thing compared to what it was 20, 30 years ago, but still a large portion. Uh, more Americans tune into these network newscasts morning and evening than any show on Fox News, CNN, or MSNBC. And so if you get your news from these newscasts, and these segments end up that on YouTube, on their Twitter page, on their Facebook page, and you hear something like that, the Mary Alice Parks is kind of like, well, Democrats are sort of divided back to you. Like, <laughs> you're, and that's considered a good day. You know, right, we're like, hey, look. Yeah, you, you would say, hold on, wait a second. And again, if you're just getting your news from these newscasts then you're not being informed as we show every day on newsbusters and on this issue bill has shown for us so we really want people to check that out because he's gone through a bunch of different examples yeah, and he's got even the neat has a chart there then. a neat chart of which things which bad thing each member of the squad has done uh or said regarding the uh, hamas's terror attack and he goes through each controversy and lists that there's been zero seconds, despite the fact that on the network newscast between October 7th and the 22nd, there's been 525 minutes. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of airtime to, to skip over what the Democrats have to say on this issue. Um, I think they've been very, very supportive of Biden, um, uh, even though he's coming to the staunch defense of Israel, and they're not pointing out that's not really been the record of his first couple of years. And um, what you really miss, you know, I sat down on Monday night just to watch all three newscasts. And you're like, yeah, there's no Republican standing up and saying uh, Biden has messed this up. Biden enabled Iran. Any criticism of that sort is really not allowed. Right. They're running clips of Tony Blinken and Joe Biden and John Kirby denouncing Iran as if to paint this picture that they are tough on Iran. Tough on Iran. And I know I'm going to, people are going to, I guess, cringe at this, but this is a point that Liz Cheney actually brought up on Face the Nation, saying that Biden's rhetoric does not match his policy on Iran. And that's the sort of thing reporters are supposed to notice. They're supposed right. <laughs> this is, they, they, they don't seem to do this for Democrats where they go, actually, this is not what you said two days ago. Uh, and so... Um, one of the things I noticed, Curtis, on Monday night was Rachel Scott of ABC making a big deal out of there's nine candidates for speaker and seven of the nine didn't, you know, refused to certify or voted against to certifying the 2020, uh, 2020 election results. And uh, so then she brought this aggression in last night, which is what all the other reporters were doing, by the way. The other networks were mentioning this as well, but she was the only one who took it to the congressman. And so. Yeah, they, they've had this premature victory. They had they nominated Johnson. They hadn't elected him yet, but they nominated him successfully. And they're all in a jovial mood. And, of course, then you go to the press. And instead of just having a press conference, you're basically entering the debating society. And there was uh, Rachel Scott saying, uh, you know, election denier, election denier. And people booed her, and Virginia Fox in North Carolina told her to shut up. Well, and then she came back and tried to ask a question about Ukraine, and they were like, you've already asked your question, go away. And, uh, of course, 
Then you had reporters on Twitter, like uh, Seongmung Kim of AP was saying, that that's a perfectly valid question. And then Robert Costa. Boos and jeers aren't going to make these questions go away. Yeah. So that was basically what And so said. the obvious point, I would say, I always want... I always want these politicians to uh, to say what I would say, which is silly. But I mean, you want them you want them to say. Uh, back in '92, Judy Woodruff interviewed Barbara Bush, and after a bunch of hard questions about how why is why are the Republicans saying Bill Clinton's a skirt chaser, I know they did actually ask this. It's funny now, but it was they were dead serious then. Barbara Bush actually said to her, "You didn't ask Hillary Clinton questions like this." And this is what they need to do. So Mike Johnson or Virginia Fox should have said, hey, Rachel Scott, how many questions have you asked about election denial to Hakeem Jeffries? How many, Nancy Pelosi, you know, these people were all election deniers in 2016. In fact, Curtis, I went back to a Mm. column I did, Kyle Martinson at the RNC. Now at the DeSantis campaign. Oh, there you go. uh, (laughs) Said... Hakeem Jeffries said the 2016 election was rigged and a hoax. (laughs) Oops. He said, uh, the more we learn about the 2016 election, the more illegitimate it becomes. He referred to Trump as a fake president at least 73 times. In total, Jeffries denied the legitimacy of the 2016 election at least 163 times. And that's, we all forget that somehow. Right. Uh, I mean, uh, the RNC research did a supercut of these clips at the time. Uh, Our buddy Matt Foley uh re-up that today on twitter you can go check that out on his timeline it's pretty stunning and and i think their argument just boils down to why jake tapper has no problem with stacey abrams being on his show with you know despite her denying her election loss in 2018 which is well their people didn't storm the capitol so you know basically anything's it's all fair game and it's all fun and games as so long as nobody storms the Capitol. But mm-hmm. I thought questioning election results in and of itself is anti-democratic and it is a dangerous precedent and it is horrible. Um, you know, it's just disgusting and pious and, you know, well, whatever word you want to use. I think that what they're trying to say there, look, there is a point to say, well, we didn't have a riot. When we were doing this, well, yes, to some extent, what you were doing is we were just doing some performance art for our left wing base. Well, you're still you're still engaged in election denial. Right. Terry McAuliffe in 2004 talking about the voting machines, you know, I mean, Jamie Raskin objecting uh, to Trump's win. Yeah. A bunch of these guys on the January 6th committee who are making a big fit about Trump's election deniers, were themselves election deniers. And they want to make the argument, too, that I've heard before, which is, well, we didn't have a co-sponsor in the Senate. It's like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. All right, so you brought up Jake Tapper, so I'm going to go to this. This is on, <laughs> this is on my list of Jeffries things. Uh, Tapper had a few questions, challenging questions for Jeffries on November 20, State of the Union, but he began by saying, hey, you're the first congressional leader to ever paraphrase naughty by nature on the floor of the House. He's getting down with OPP, apparently. Yeah, that's what he's getting instead. <laughs> I mean, there was the, and he had a puffball PBS interview with Jeff Bennett, uh, I believe, a few weeks ago. Oh, several. Ago. Yes, 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 yes. I mean, every time Hakeem Jeffrey shows up on the PBS News Hour, it's a, funded by your tax dollars. Yes, I mean, that, so yes, this I think is a really important point that we want to make, that we would certainly make in Rachel Scott's face, and that is, excuse me, election denial is something that goes on in both parties. And certainly with all of the Russian collusion stories that they did, 
I mean, literally thousands of minutes. Rich Noise counted the minutes. It's over 2,000 minutes on Russian collusion. There was a ton of media election denial. Right. I, I mean, there's just a fire hose of election denialism. And, and the thing about Rachel Scott is obviously it triggered a huge media reaction, which again shows that despite what journalists say about we don't like being the story, they love being the center of attention. Good morning, America. Robin Roberts, you had every right to ask that question, Rachel. You and then the thinking, view. And then the view suggesting that, you know, things were uh, craziness. It, Sarah Haynes. Sarah Haynes said of Virginia Fox of North Carolina, that nasty woman needs to get out of Congress. Yeah, I thought nasty was a positive, like, descriptor. Well, I no, guess it's, I guess it's it, not. She, Sarah Haynes has already forgotten. She, she have a nasty woman teacher yeah, right. from the Hillary Clinton campaign. Right. And then you had John King come out on CNN talking about this. He said, quote, it's anti-democratic. They, as in the Republican Party, are anti-democratic. They simply are. That's a fact. And they are anti-free speech. They don't like questions that they don't like. They don't want to answer questions that they don't like. Well, sorry. Welcome to America. That's the great charm of the American experiment, where we ask questions and people get to ask these questions. I mean, the arrogance and the and just the smugness of this prick. Well, to this ask was this. this was the first thing when Nick Fondacaro was telling me about this on the View. I said, "All right, do you recall Nick? Since you are the expert, all things whoopee joy, Alyssa." Uh, did these people ever say, hey, you go, Peter Ducey. You go ask those tough questions at the White House briefing. No. Well, and our buddy Vince Colonnese of WMAL and the Daily Caller tweeted as well. I mean, how about I'd like to see John King provide this defense when the New York Post tries to ask questions. <laughs> yeah, let me right here. It says, show me this impassioned defense of the free press when the New York Post tries to ask the White House questions. Because Stephen Nelson has been frozen out since... May, I believe. Uh, now, let me ask you this. Now we're we're turning to speaking of experts, Curtis Howe, White House briefing expert. Did is this shut out of Stephen Nelson? New is it something that, or is it something that that Jen Psaki also did? Well, no. I mean, I think she she would allow him to tangle a fair amount. Um, there yeah, was is it, it just um, KJP's lack of self confidence? Right. <laughs> I know. And he even started by trying to make light of it. You haven't called on me in two seasons, Kareen. <laughs> and he tried to be funny about it. And then she had like a smirk on her face, like as if she was almost about to roll her eyes saying, I'm not calling on you today. And then thing that's ridiculous about it is she then called on a cons another conservative reporter of the Washington Examiner. And the Washington Examiner guy didn't do anything. He kept trying to ask his question over top of Stephen Nelson's, even though they're sitting right next to each other. I thought, you know, I was going to say, you defend each other at this point. Yes. Whatever happened to the free press and standing up for each other. We saw this during the Trump years where Jim Acosta and April Ryan and Brian Karam and Paula Reed, when she was at CBS were allowed, you know, to, you know, hoot and holler and harangue whoever was at the white house podium for minutes and minutes and minutes on end. Uh, and when reporters tried to move on, they wouldn't ask their question and they would let their colleague continue to make fools of themselves uh, because they agreed with them. All right, let me ask this question. I'm going to sound dumb for a second. Of the CNN White House reporters, I believe there are seven 
who asks the questions at the briefing? Because it's not generally our let signs. Right. I know. Fortunately for us. I mean, maybe unfortunately, because that would have meant created more content for us. But usually it's uh, nowadays MJ Lee right. uh, or Kayla Tausche, who moved over from CNBC. Uh, so but she's still kind of getting used to being see, in See, but my row. question, Curtis, is, is like, you know, I would like to question John King and say, now, don't you think there's quite a bit of difference between the free press, quote unquote, under Jim Acosta screaming at Trump versus what CNN, the milk toast they're sending in now? Yeah, Stephen Nelson said exactly when this, when uh, KJP kept calling on Christian Dadoc of The Examiner, this shows disrespect to free and independent media and blacklist one of our country's largest and most widely read newspapers, Kareem. That shows contempt for a free and independent press. There well, wasn't any coverage on cable news uh, in the New York Times, the, the Washington Post, yeah, NPR. You know, Folk and Flick wasn't all Folk over, and Flick. He wasn't all over this. Um, but KJP ignoring reporters, you know, or Biden attacking Peter Ducey, um Well, that stuff doesn't get the attention. Curtis, we know this. The, the, these the John Kings of the world think CNN. We are democracy. Yeah, we, we are. We are the free press. Not we are Penn State. No. Yeah. But we are. Uh, and We are the American people. We are the First Amendment. Yeah, and John King doesn't seem to acknowledge that the New York Post is the free press, too. Fox News is the free press, too. Oliver Darcy wants Fox News to be removed from everybody's cable, but somehow he's for democracy. Hey, you know what? We also have, you know... Each and every one of us has a First Amendment right, and we have a First Amendment right to say, you suck. That's right. That's democracy, And pal. guess what? That should not be construed as a death threat. That is the thing about these people at CNN especially. They take any sort of pushback from the press as meaning, oh, you're authoritarian. Oh, you, you're going to get us killed. Oh, you, oh that you was know. very Acosta yeah, in the Trump years. Yeah, right, exactly. They equated any sort of criticism as death threats or authoritarianism. Hey, that is anti-free press. That is anti-First Amendment saying you can't criticize us because you're not inside our bubble. You're not inside our building. And it's like, you claim to work for us like John King just did in that clip. Right. He said, we ask the questions and the, the people, the people ask the question. No, it's whatever you want and whatever your producers want to ask. It's well, not what, you don't poll the American people before asking questions. This is where I want the politicians to turn the questions around. I think that that's, obviously you get credentialed to come into the Capitol or to come into the White House and tangle with politicians. Well, the politicians should be able to ask, who did you vote for last time, Rachel Scott? Well, and as you and I talked earlier today, that's something that, when it does happen, the rare times it does, journalists get really, really upset. It's usually something like we're we're the ones asking the questions. <laughs> they don't. They're, they're yeah. They're like, again, we can dish it out. We can't take it. Um, we all know people in our lives who dish it out, but they can't take it. We all have a friend or acquaintance that is like that, folks. And guess what? The journalism profession, at least, let's just say the national news media are like that too. We just want less arrogance and more humility. Like when you completely screw up the Gaza hospital story, show some humility, show less arrogance. Perhaps what? you let the American people down, not to mention the Israeli people. Well, that's the thing. We heard so many years during the Trump years from the Wolf Blitzers and Jim Acosta of the world that, and Brian Stelters that, you know, when we get things wrong, we correct them. No, you don't. 
All right. One last thing, Curtis, and that is we 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 do look at the Israel Gaza situation, yeah. and and I think that the way you've been certainly looking at it is we have some reporters that are trying to maybe come at this in a fair and balanced way, but sadly we have people on scene that sound like they're really channeling what they consider the Palestinians' talking points. Yeah. Well, it, it, most recently, the evolution is they'll admit that is the Hamas health ministry says this many thousands of people are killed. It is an improvement from originally saying the Gaza health ministry, the Palestinian health ministry. However, the fact that you're adding that Hamas qualifier should should really add a dosage of of skepticism to right. your coverage. But they are adding that qualifier and then proceeding as to if these death tolls are gospel right. instead of saying, well. You know, the health ministry says this, but it's Gaza, so we really can't be sure. That's really all you have to say. Especially when it's like, Hamas says 700 died overnight. What? Right. (laughs) And who's proven that? Right. I think it's it's fair to say, Curtis, just to wrap on this thought, that we have a news media that have granted more credibility and respectability to Hamas than they did to the Trump administration. Let that sink in. Right. I would just say, uh, to close here, specific reporters to watch out for. We've got Ian Panel on ABC, MTS Taib on CBS, reporting from East Jerusalem. That's the, I guess, Muslim-dominant area. Uh, He just takes everything they say. uh, When they bombed a West Bank mosque, he was all upset that saying, well, the people here say it's a peaceful place of worship. Well... Yeah, of course. That's the what people it, say. Yeah, in Richard Angle on NBC News as well. Um, he's usually the main person that they have over there. There's been different outbreaks on different uh, networks from certain individuals, but that's generally the part that you're looking at. Lester Holt, uh, in terms of the anchors, has been completely in the tank. Uh, well, so some of these people you could say they're at. some of these people, Curtis. You could say they're doing a dangerous job in some areas. And standing on a in, in, in a hotel in Tel Aviv, not quite as dangerous as being in Gaza. Um, so maybe we could say if you're in a dangerous area, um, you're a little more afraid to tell the truth. Uh, but this is the whole problem: is yes, what we're seeing so far in this Israel Hamas war is you really need to take well, these yeah, reports right with a grain of salt. It was just like what we saw with COVID. Those first couple of days, we all rallied together in the media kind of rallied behind Trump and let Trump say what he wanted to say. And then very quickly, the narrative changed that after October 7th, those videos, those live streams, horrific. They weren't from the IDF. They were from regular people. So the media oh, and they were de- from Hamas and the Hamas or the media couldn't deny them and say that they were edited or anything like that. But the further and further we get away from that actual event, you know, the, the usual spin that if you've been following the media for any period of time, it's the same old pattern that we see where they side with the terrorists. This is where we, we, we've we tried to make a big thing here at the Media Research Center, focusing on when the media has sort of an anti-American spin, certainly in this case an anti-Israel spin, just generally an anti-Western civilization spin. Yeah, and one last stat for you, that GW uh you know, protest or hooliganism from last night, the George Washington University, where they blastered uh, end the genocide and, you know, divest. They from projected the these on, uh, what, a film from, strip? From, uh, yeah, on a film strip <laughs> on the side of a library funded in part by someone on the board who's Jewish. Uh, from the river to the sea, that kind of stuff. No mention on any of the network newscasts. I'm sure if that were a bunch of white guys in tiki torches... Yes. That would be a thing. Understood. All right. So this is where from from the Israel story to the House Speaker story, you got to make sure you come to Newsbusters once, twice, 24 times a day. Thanks for listening. 